Hello and welcome to Eavesdropping at the Movies. I'm Mike. And I'm Jose. And we've just come back from the Mockingbird Cinema in the Custard Factory where we've seen Jay and Silent Bob reboot. Uh-huh. Which I suggested almost as a lark because I wanted to see it and I was glad it had come here. Um, and you were like, well, you didn't say no, basically. So <laughs> yes. <you went. laughs> um, I'm not a mega Kevin Smith fan, but I, I like his interview stuff and I have seen all his films, I think. Yes. Um, you don't care nearly as much. No, I kind of... Um... I mean, I, I remember the excitement of Clerks, right? It felt like a new voice in the cinema, really. And, you know, some of that dialogue is still, I think, amongst the funniest ever written, really. I mean, I remember that vividly. And then it was almost like a case of diminishing returns. So I do remember seeing uh, Chasing Amy, which, again, was a bit controversial, but I liked it. Uh, um, in fact, I'm, I might even have put it in a, in a syllabus once or twice. Uh and then I couldn't get on with Dogma at all. Oh, really? Yeah, I, I kind of, I just didn't like it. I thought it was kind of... I like Dogma. Yeah, well, I, I didn't. And then I kind of, I think I gave up on him, really. Like, uh, yeah. I, no I don't, re- I don't remember seeing Mallrats. Um, Mallrats was the second, was, was the one straight after Clerks. And then it was Dogma, I think. Okay, um, then I must have seen it. Um, but, you know, I think it was after Dogma, which is now, what, already 20 years ago... That yeah. I just stopped seeing his films. Really. 1997, I think. Ah. So, um, well, the thing is, he's not taken seriously as a filmmaker, really, by anybody, including no. himself. That's right. And he kind of puts that sort of front and center. He sort of says, "I'm not a filmmaker," and actually, he talks. I heard him speak one time about um, showing uh, uh, Jane Silent Bob Strike Back, which was 2001, I think, which is what this is kind of putatively a sequel to. Mm. Showing that to his, his infant daughter at the time, or toddler daughter, mm. ha- uh, Harley, who's in this. Um, and he was like, well, I can't show any of the dialogue, but I turned the sound off. And he said, like, she was into it, so he thought, oh my God, I must be a filmmaker of some sort because she is into the movie with the sound off. Uh-huh. You know, but he's, he's like, he doesn't hold himself up as a filmmaker well, listen, to anybody. You know, I think any of his movies with the sound off are just, like, not <laughs> worth watching at all. I yeah. mean, kind of, he's very witty, he's very witty speaking. Um, it was very interesting to, to see the audience at the Mockingbird, right? Because, well, first of all, it was packed. It, it had a really nice ambiance, you know, the whole thing. Uh, but it was still, you know, it was like, I don't know, 30, 40 year old guys, you know, all balding or half bald, you know, all kind of nerdy, geeky. They all look like me. Fat, white. <laughs> no, no, seriously, I'm not, I remarked to you at the start. This is the good. This is like you had more hair than most of them. Just try, <laughs> and I'll keep my hair. God damn it! But um, but I remarked to you that like, this was a. I felt like I fit in this audience like no other. Just because yes. I look. And <laughs> you did say that. And B <laughs> that this audience is like a magic mic audience. What's you know full of screaming women. Yeah, it, it had that feeling, right? Yeah, and the film is pure fan service it's yeah. i mean there are references in it that i didn't get because i'm not as big a fan as all these guys and nor nor am i as old i was too young for clerks and Morax, and i caught up with them later yes um so first well one, I, think I think i, I might have been too old for clerks if you know what i mean yeah, yeah. like you know i was already in my 30s when that came out or, yeah and that was very much a 20 year old movie so um um but you know so so I got plenty of the references, but there were there were those that I knew I wasn't getting because I I, did, I wasn't as familiar with the films. I have seen more rest things, but it's not on my list, you know. Yeah. It's not, um, and the audience made the experience what it was tonight. It was great. 
Well, it wasn't just the audience. I mean, actually, I felt uh, you responded to almost everything. Oh, yeah, no, the film you as know? well. I mean, the yeah. film's cracking, but like, had we watched it with a, with a small audience or even watched it on our own, wouldn't be the same. No. It got huge, huge laughs. Yeah. And not just laughs from references. But, yeah. Although, you know, the film is hugely self-referential and referential of Smith's uh, back catalogue. Yeah. But of the film's own jokes, you know, the, the, the audience was totally with it and up for it. Well, it feels so contemporary, really, because... It is, in a way, a very funny and, and quite incisive critique of contemporary pop culture and particularly of movies, right? Like, you know, they have this whole thing about reboots and remakes and, you know, the Marvel Universe and Comic-Con. And, I mean, yeah. that is the setting for the whole film, really. It's extraordinarily self-referential, more so than James Hunt Bob Strike Back was, which was about their characters, this blunt man and chronic, that are the characters that... Uh, are based on them in the viewers universe, as it's known. You know, Kevin Smith mm. had a universe before Marvel did, although, as he says himself, Marvel had a comic book universe before mm. he did. You know, um, their characters in in Jason and Bob Strike Back went to Hollywood to try and stop their film being made. In this, same thing again, and the film makes endless reference to that and yes. how this is a reboot and not a remake and yes. constantly looking to the audience through the camera to tell them off for coming to see it and you know. Yeah, but it's quite witty. So it says, well, what is the difference between a reboot and a remake? And they say, well, you know, you have a young, inclusive, you know, kind of cast and so on. And, of course, here's a young and inclusive cast. (laughs) You know, they do all those things. All the girls they go to Hollywood. Yeah. So um, I I thought it it was very interesting that way. And it was kind of critical. It was saying, well, you know, you keep making these reboots... And soon you won't have anything to reboot. <laughs> right? like, uh, yeah. <laughs> so um, I thought it was both witty and tiresome. <laughs> you know, like I kind of, I, I mean, I did laugh, you know, and I you think laugh, I, you laughed quite a lot. I laughed quite a lot. And I think I got most of the references, actually, even though I'm not a Kevin Smith fan. I mean, you know, this is a film with cameos by and very witty cameos, actually, by Chris Hemsworth and. Matt Damon. Matt Damon was and, wonderful. Uh, yeah, Matt Damon was wonderful. He brought the house down, actually. Uh, it's the best uh, He got the film. biggest laugh in, in the whole film, I think. Yeah. I thought Justin Long was wonderful as a sleazy lawyer, you know, sleazy yeah. camp lawyer. He beginning. is a character from another one of the films, but I don't remember which. Oh. I remember reading about it. I can't remember which one. Yeah. There are plenty of them that I'm not as familiar with, but definitely he's one of them. Maybe Zack and Mary make a porno. He played the same sort of sleazy gay character. In right. That. And there were... They were officially bringing that film into the viewersk universe. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I also found it tiresome. Yeah, yeah, I did. I thought it's like completely self-indulgent, really. Mm. Uh, yeah. And you that's could what, tell that's what you want. Well, I mean, well, he was having more fun than I was. Let's put it that way. Yeah, right? yeah. Uh, and you know, it's great to see a director having fun. Uh, but it's also it, it it was also kind of I thought. Tiresome. I know what you mean. I think it, you have to, you have to, to some degree, have like some interest or sympathy with the Kevin Smith world to be into it. Yes. Like for for a, for a complete outsider, I mean, I don't know that they would never find it interesting or funny, but it is, it's not hold doesn't hold a huge amount of reward unless you already know these people. I was, you know, it's I, like because it makes you feel, I think, like you're part of the family. Yeah, you know all these people are in it. You know his daughter. You know Jason Mewes' daughter, even maybe. You know, you know the relationships that go back with Matt Damon and Ben Affleck to before they were big. You know, and and there's a and as Kevin Smith said in that Q and A at the end, like the thing that he likes most about making movies is the friendship with people, and that sure. comes through completely. Sure, and he's very witty, uh, you know, and he's very charismatic, actually. Like uh, I think. Um, 
But I don't know. You know, the the the, the film is still a series of sketches, right? Like yeah. some jokes land, some jokes don't land. It's all very amiable in a kind of a shaggy way. <laughs> you know, it's all kind of countercultural, but not really dangerous, but very safe. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, so I, you know. I mean, I'm very glad I saw it, and I'm very glad I saw it with this audience. I'm very glad I saw it with you, you know, because actually I think you're so knowledgeable on, you know, the whole Kevin Smith thing. Um, but it didn't make me feel... I'm not going to go out on a wintry evening, you know, on my own to see the next Kevin Smith film. Let's put it that way. It hasn't won me over. <laughs> yeah. Well, unless it's with me and it's back at the Mockingbird where we know there's an audience for it. That would be interesting. Because it's the audience that I think, you know, I mean, it sounds like I'm damning the movie in a way by saying it's only the audience. And it's not. Like, I would happily watch this movie on my own or watch it on DVD or whatever. Yeah. Or, or, well, DVD streaming or what have you. But, um, you know, and I'm sure I will later. Like, you know, I'll have another sort of fun time with it. But but it was actually a special experience seeing it with an audience that was so into it and so up for it. and so responsive. I mean, actually, I found, I did find that. And I don't think we'll hear bigger laughs in a cinema Yes. I know we have all year. Yeah. I mean, I did learn. I did feel, you know, that it was a rewarding experience, right? So it's not my cup of tea, but I found it a, a rewarding experience. Yeah. Um, and I suppose, you know, I'm not a snob. I mean, I think, you know, cinema can be all kinds of things. And, you know, and this kind of evidently gave people kind of great pleasure. Uh, but I still feel... Okay, so I have reservations. First of all, he, you know, maybe at 20 when grass was illegal in most places, <laughs> you know, this could be seen as irreverent or whatever. I did think this was like safe and cozy and sentimental, you know. So whatever dimension his films had of being anti-establishment and so on, it feels more like safe and, and woke. It's woke, yes. Mm. It's kind of, you know, it's doing all the right things, Right. But it feels like I don't know, overly cozy. Yeah, it's it was not. It's like it's a it's film that satirizes Hollywood in a way that none in Hollywood is going to be offended by. Exactly, that's a better yeah. way of putting it. Yeah, you know, and like, and I don't think it's a case of him not wanting to burn bridges because I think you've sort of seen his career that he's kind of been happy to do that. But he's just not that kind of person anymore, I don't think. And he just wants to make light jokes. Also, he's not like he's not the kind of person to do that. No. Actually, I don't agree with that. I mean, you know, he's somebody who's worked with the Weinstein's you know, from his first film or from his second film. Yeah. So he's somebody who knows how to play the system and has played it well, and you see him playing it throughout, throughout the film. You know, and there is something kind of warm and charismatic about it, but it's also kind of instrumental, yeah? Like mm. kind of, I mean, the Q&A at the end exemplified all of those qualities. He's got his questions. He's, he's given someone a role. He's constantly <laughs> criticizing and putting him down for doing it. You know, he's kind of very charming. He's aware of the audience. There's not a single British accent that you've given me and we're speaking to the UK yeah you know he's somebody who's aware of all of the, the bigger picture yeah absolutely he's, uh. he's someone who is extremely aware of his audience and and his history of doing Q&A's and podcasts has, is is a huge part of that I think like, yeah he has he has so many podcasts <laughs> yeah <laughs> so and, and Q&A's really... enormously popular and that's kind of what's going on here is he is his raconteur aspect he does not like to shut up and he will keep on going yeah you know and uh, um I don't have any problems with it, I suppose. So, though I think, you know, the reason why I'm constantly reserved in this is because obviously, you know, I really am interested in film as art. Yeah, I think kind of cinema is amazing in what it can do, you know, and 
um, to see someone not even trying, yeah, the way that I think, you know, he doesn't even try. Uh, and he's almost kind of proud of not trying. He's constantly putting himself down as a, you know, as a filmmaker, right? Mm. So he's got these characters. He brings this way of speaking. I don't deny his originality in kind of bringing in those characters and, and, and that way of talking and that sensibility into American culture. He did do that. And that's, you know, that's a great thing to do in a way. Yeah. But I also find him very unsatisfying. Yeah. Uh, um, I suppose, I mean, I know what you mean about the impression that you get that he uh, um, seems proud of not trying. Although I think what he's, he's really just proud of, of other aspects of his films. And I think in a sense, his pride is in that um, he is able to make them. And, that, and and I suppose that comes down to, as you're saying, playing the system and knowing the system. And, but you know, and, and the fact that his films ultimately do find an audience and make money, even if it's a very small amount of money, because otherwise he wouldn't get to keep making them. Uh, that's true, but you know, like when he was talking at the end and he was saying, well, the reason why I make these films is because of friendships, yeah, right, you know, and kind of, you know, the way that we interact on the set and I suppose, you know, kind of, yeah, the, 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 the collective aspect of it. I think that's all great. I, you know, I kind of, um, I, I, I like to see that brought out more. Yeah. Film is a collective medium, you know, and I'm glad people develop friendships and have a good time while doing it. But my view on that is, well, hurrah for you. Fuck yeah. off. You know, kind of, I am here watching your film. What is it doing for me? Right? Yeah. So, and I must say that his films don't do much for me. I'm not his target audience, you know. I've never been, you know, the kind of person who gets off on doing weed and being a stoner. And, you know, I've, not, I've it's never... It's a relatively new development for him. He became a stoner in his old age. Well, <laughs> <laughs> it's all over these films now. And you're right; it's like it's not it's not cool anymore smoking weed. I don't get it, but he does it all the time. He does it all that. And what was that? There was an expression in the '90s, a slacker. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. So you know that whole slacker thing. I mean, I, it's never been me anyway. You know, I feel like you know I'm an up person. <laughs> you know, when I've taken drugs, they've always been up ones. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> kind of ones that give you energy and excitement. Yeah. I've never been one to, you know, I can chill on my own. So, like, I'm just the wrong sensibility for these movies. Says the man who smokes and drinks. Well, I do do that, uh, but that's not being a stoner. No, but are they not drugs? Well, I'm I'm not... not I'm not to help one chill out? I'm not anti-drug. No, no, but but I just mean the type of... Are they not things that help one chill out? Uh, No, I always kind of see it as slightly the opposite in a way. Um, relaxing with a cigarette and a glass of rum at the end of a day. It reminds <laughs> me I should get a cigarette because I don't have one on me. <laughs> <You see? laughs> uh, um, I don't know, but I, I do see that it's slightly different. I mean, you know, for me, kind of, you know, uh, a glass of alcohol and the cigarette evokes Bogart or something. It doesn't evoke kind of, you know, being bored and stoned in a mall with nothing to do. Ah, so you're a philosopher. <laughs> <laughs> I've always wanted to be one, but I've never succeeded. <laughs> yeah, there's a style aspect. No, but and, the, and the style of the stoner is is not really something that enormously appeals. And... No, I mean, actually, I've, I I have I think I think I was just too late for that. Uh, but you know, neither the style uh, nor the sensibility. Uh, it's just something that didn't appeal to me. I I never. It never spoke to me, yeah. you know. Kind of. 
you know, if there's a character I've identified in cinema, it's really like uh, Katie Morosky, right? It's Barbara Streisand playing the communist in the way we were with her kinky hair, <laughs> shouting, down with the state or something, you know? So, so this kind of stoner is as far from yeah. me as you can get. Not <laughs> And all, and all that really comes down to what I was saying, which was that if this is this is a film for the fans, yeah. and 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 I think, you know, I think you're quite right that that Kevin Smith's movies are not the place to look for great cinematic art, um, but they are a place to look, at least in some respect, for uh, kind of comments on culture. I mean, he does that very uh, sort of uh, actively. Yes, and they are a place, I think, in a way, to look for. Comfort and friendship, and maybe those things which you feel like, oh, I want. You know, that John Waters thing the other week. I don't want to have a film make me happy. I want. I already am happy. I want a film to piss me off and make me depressed. Well, they're not going to do that, Kevin Smith films, unless you unless you actually. Yeah, I think. <laughs> I think if I can summarize in a way what you're saying, which I think the film is very successful at, it's in creating a sense of community. Actually, yeah. You know, I felt that the 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 audience tonight and you and me to a certain extent, like. You know, he, he, what he's successful at doing is he offers this kind of community that allows you to kind of participate in it, really, right? Like, kind of people understood what he was talking about. They got all of the references to all of the obscure pop cultural stuff and the less obscure, and they were in agreement with him. They made, you know, Kevin Smith opened up the possibility of a belongingness to a group of people that seemed like they weren't offered the sense of belongingness very often or very much in culture. And that's the a real nerds. achievement. Yeah, he Ma- was he was making films with the internet nerds before the internet nerds took over the world. Well, he's got this whole thing about podcasting, doesn't he? Yeah. You know, uh, so, I mean, I think there's about seven or eight references to podcasting in the film. He, yeah, it's obviously something he's keen that's on. That's a new thing. And, um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of him in it, you know, like the smoking weed the podcasting, talking about putting his family in films, which he does all the time, that sort of thing. It's um, and, and then actually in this, he shows up as himself, yes. as Kevin Smith, the director. That's right. Uh, which was lovely. And, looking, and it plays himself very nice. Looking very Hollywood, I must say, you know, with perfect teeth and cheekbones <laughs> and having lost like 100 pounds. Yeah, whatever. well, they talk about all that weight that he lost. I mean, yeah. they even make reference to the thing about he was being too fat to fly, yeah. which was a thing about how he, he wasn't allowed on a plane and basically did a whole Q&A just... Uh, telling whichever airline it was that they were dicks. Right. They <laughs> make reference to yeah. it here, you know. Well, now he all, fits on the plane. Well, that's all stuff for, for the for the fans who absolutely know that. And, like, it doesn't really make sense for the characters, but the characters refer to each other as though it's really them because they sort of are them. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. And that, that's how it all works, and everyone's just totally fine with it. And all, those, all, that, all that line-blurring stuff, you know, it doesn't matter philosophically. It's just, it's happy. I think what won me over today is how amiable it is, right? Because, like like I said, I am really not this film's audience. I don't partake of the sensibility and so on. And yet, it allows you in. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I am kind of like uh, the least targeted member of this film's audience. Yeah, you're the most out of place in that room. Uh, Yeah, exactly. And yet, you know, I kind of, I still uh, enjoyed it and I left feeling good and, you know, it wasn't offensive and it was inclusive, right? And kind of, the, yeah. you know, the jokes landed on me, some of them, you know. And, and I so think, I have a good feeling towards it. And I think it, you don't, you know, you don't want to just do it down as a, as a kind of, um, 
you know, it, it, it made sense for this audience because there were jokes. Uh, he, he has a way with words, and I think, and he has all. He's he, very witty. He also has a way, not just with words, but with timing and delivery of those words. Like you know that he he has a sense of how he wants those lines delivered and what's funny. Yeah. And the, you know, so lines, a lot of a lot of um, Jay's lines. Uh, will be kind of comments on other things that are happening. Like I knew one of them had a cat suit. Yeah. It's a reference back to the or about uh, sometimes breaking a promise is the best thing you can do. When I broke a promise to your mum, I made a promise that I wouldn't come in. A- <laughs> <laughs> like, it's you know, very very lovely sentiment, cut in half by the word come. Yeah, you know, and 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 actually, not only does he have a real ear for dialogue, but he has an ear for characters because if you compare him to, for instance, Quentin Tarantino as a writer. I think we've said before, Tarantino writes in his own voice for just yeah. about everybody. Yeah. Kevin Smith doesn't. He yeah. hears his characters mm. and he writes his characters' voices. That's a very good point. I think you're right. Yeah. And, and there's a generosity about... So, he's very witty. It's dialogue that you don't hear anywhere else. So, actually, there is something unique about that voice mm. that he has. Um, but it's also very warm-hearted and generous. It just is, you know. Yeah. Um, he doesn't, even when he's dealing with the KKK, you <laughs> yeah. know, and he's throwing shit all over the KKK, there's actually something kind of good-humoured about that. It's, it, it, it isn't just a nastiness, you know. It isn't, I hate you. It's more, uh, aren't you ridiculous? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I suppose, yeah. Um, yeah, and he, and he does, I mean, he, did, he, he plonks um, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross in the middle yes. of that scene, which is lovely. Like, and that has, that has that feeling of, I've always <laughs> wanted to do this. You know, I've always wanted to do the Glengarry Glen Ross, <laughs> and now I get to do it because I'm a fucking filmmaker and I get to do it. There's, there's a sense of that, and it's quite good fun. Yeah. Put this on pause for a second. So I think we've been talking. Ho- Jose's back. Jose's back, <laughs> and um, uh, having uh, poured himself a little more rum, he's about to light up a cigarette because he's a man who doesn't take drugs. To, That's to right. Down. I'm a teetotaler. <laughs> I'm like an American senator. <laughs> I, I'm pure. <laughs> um, I uh, when I watched Kevin Smith's um, films, I because there was there were those that I hadn't seen, Jersey Girl, Morat things. So I, I did sort of make a project of watching all of them. Did a, you a couple of years ago? Um, and I, I, in a sense, I was surprised how good some of them were compared to their reputation reputations particularly how Jersey, Jersey girl. girl have you seen it no I thought Jersey Girl was lovely right it's actually it, it, I suppose it was it was in the midst of, of Benifer with Ben Affleck I remember that Jennifer Lopez thing and they made that terrible movie Jiggly which I haven't seen but I say that on the basis of everyone's criticism mm. maybe it would turn out that I like it because mm. I like Jersey Girl and the thing is and this is a, a spoiler for Jersey Girl um Jennifer Lopez dies like five, ten minutes in. Um, and actually, the whole movie is uh, Ben Affleck raising his daughter. And it's hugely sentimental and all that stuff I like, and very tender, and their relationship is lovely, and Affleck's fantastic. Oh. And I come, in, I come in this going, were people expecting something different because they, didn't, because they thought it was the J-Lo Ben Affleck movie? Or, or actually, do they just see things that, to dislike in this that I didn't? Which is fair enough. But I, I actually had a really good time with Jersey Girl. Mm. And I think it probably gets a bad rap. It's lovely. How interesting. Um, there were, there's more rats I didn't particularly care for. I think that is very much of its time. I think Clerks probably is as well. But I did. But I, I, lo- I love Clerks. You know, um, I, I did always like Clerks. I unreservedly like Clerks. 
And I really like Chasing Amy, though. Mm. You know, it got, a, it got a bad rap because it's about the Ben Affleck falling in love with this, you know, girl who actually is a lesbian, right? But I thought it was very warm-hearted and inclusive. And actually, to have that character in those years, to me, was kind of very... Um, quite amazing, right? And then, of course, what happened is then there was this backlash of, oh, this is just a male view of, yeah. you know, blah, uh, blah. blah. Um, but, but you know, my, my initial impression was that it was inclusive. You know, it was a representation of a lesbian character at a time when there weren't many uh, in American cinema. And, you know, that it was kind of uh, one that was sympathetic to the politics of the period, right, and the exclusions of the period. Um, so, so that I, I, you know, I, that, that's, I liked, I liked it. And um, I, I think, I don't remember it all that well, Chasing Game. I mean, I did only see it the once, which was, and that was one of the films that I hadn't seen. Uh-huh. Um, and I did get the sense that, that between the time it was made and released and 15, 20 years later when I watched it, uh-huh. um, you know, you would you would look at it very differently because I think you're right that at the time it was offering a representation of someone in a certain kind of film that you just wouldn't see. That was see. absent. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was largely absent anyway. And then because because sort of um, uh, representation has moved on so much and has become more visible uh, for one thing that you would then look back on that and go, well, I can see all the problems now. But that is unfair to it. Yes. You know. Because you couldn't see all the problems then. Yeah. You know. Uh, was there a sense in that film? I don't remember it all that well, but was there a sense in it of, of it having a kind of, well, she just needs a dick and she'll there be was, right. There was a bit of that, uh, or certainly some of the criticisms were that there was a bit of that. Yeah. Um, and, of course, it's so long ago now that I can't yeah, really yeah. remember it with any precision. But my feeling was that the film was more generous and better than than that. Yeah. Um, I think the sense I got from it, I remember getting from it, was that actually its view is more of a kind of love is complicated one, yeah. which is a, which is much truer than any kind of you're either lesbian or you're straight or you yeah, know, nothing. Like the view was kind of one of people actually sometimes just falling in love with who they fall in love with. I think there was that element, and I think I'll, yeah, I think there was very much that element uh, around it. Um, but it was at a time when kind of people were more interested in, uh, were more invested in more rigid gender categories or sexual categories than they are now. I mean, I think, yeah. you know, we are in a more fluid time. Um, yeah. So those were the first three, Clerks, More Rats, Chasing Gaby. Well, we haven't really talked about Clerks and More Rats, but um, let's well, move on to Dogma, 1999, not 97. Yeah. You, so you didn't have a good time in Dogma. I didn't. I thought it was kind of stupid. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, that whole thing of uh, what's her name as God. Alanis <laughs> Morissette. I, I thought that was just, you know, stupid, really. <laughs> um, and kind of... Don't sound about the profits. What were you expecting? Uh, I found it... I found the stupidity also alienating, right? That it was like an in-joke that kind of fell flat. Right. right? You know what I mean? Um, so I was excited because you see, you were saying, well, you know, this was all before Matt Damon and Ben Affleck were stars, but actually they were already stars no, th- by this then. W- this was after because the yeah. Good Will Hunting was a couple of years before. Exactly. But he did, they were mates before that. Certainly with Affleck he was. He was sure. Um, he was in more rats and stuff. Good Will Hunting was the absolute 
watershed in their careers. Yes. Um, I mean, that was the moment <laughs> where I thought, this is just not for me. I'm not of this sensibility. I, you know, I didn't like Alanis Morissette. I didn't like them. I didn't like the movie. I didn't like the humor. I didn't <laughs> like it. <laughs> Fair enough. And I think that's when I stopped see- seeing um, yeah. his films, actually. Yeah. I liked it. I mean, I got the sense, uh, not being a Catholic or anything like that, you, you got you kind of got the sense that, um, I suppose in-joke is probably about the right term. Like, this was someone who was conversant with what he was talking about and the kind of characters and symbols he was putting into his film and being so totally irreverent, not disrespectful, because you, you always got this sense of like, well, ultimately he likes God and he's a believer in God, but... You, you, I think you got the sense from the film that it was people around it, you know, like the people who claim to know God on Earth, who are dicks, and everything. Well, that is definitely true. And everything <laughs> that kind of God is actually about is like pure and untouchable. And if only the dicks would shut up. That was kind of a feeling you got from the film. I think. I think even the the kind of heavenly characters who showed up in it pretty much said that most of the time. Yeah, I just can't remember that well. Yeah. I just, I just remember it being a sensibility that I didn't partake in. Yeah. And it it did all feel like a big in-joke that I wasn't a part of. Uh, and that's that, really. Then there was James on the Bob Strike back in 2001. Which I didn't see that. Bit. You haven't seen it. I think you would, on the basis of this, I think you'd have a good time uh-huh. with it. Reasonably good time. Jersey Girl, which we've talked about a bit. Clerks 2 was after that, which was, that was kind of the thing that people people thought it would never get made and we never see these characters again. But it was a, it was a thing that people got so attached to those characters. You wanted to know how are how are they getting on ten years down the line, mm. you know? Um, and that was that was extremely good fun. And it was one of those that actually I found extremely satisfying. Like it could have fallen so flat, you know, right. because the expectations were so high. I don't think I saw that. But it had a, it had a donkey remember. show in it. You would remember. Yeah. Okay. Then I don't. <laughs> no, I don't. And Rosario Dawson, who's fantastic. Yes. Um, but wasn't Rosario Dawson the first one? No, no, no. Okay, because I, some, I somehow remember her in the first one, but, you know, that could just... Maybe I did see the second one. There was someone uh, else in the first one. All right. The, the girl who sucked 37 dicks in a row. I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, then there was Zack and Mary make a porno, which was okay, but it was sort of a separate concern. Yes. Then there was Cop Out in 2010. I did not see that. Which was the one with Bruce Willis, and he makes reference to it in the Q&A at the end of this, that it was one that it was the one that people sort of see as the selling out one, mm. because he didn't write it, so he just directed it. And as I, I like Cop Out as well. Maybe, maybe this is a kind of ongoing thing, because I like Jersey Girl, no one did. I like Cop Out, and nobody did. And, you know, I know all the stories about, about how he wanting to work for Bruce Willis, they're both from Jersey and he's a hero and everything, oh. and they fell apart and Bruce Willis just hated him. Right. But um, I like the movie. Like, it's not amazing. It's a serviceable comedy. It's sort of reasonably well-directed. Tracy Morgan in it is wonderful and gives everything so much life. Right. You know, and, you know, it's it, again, it's like you wouldn't ever tell someone that, oh, you should watch, you should put this at the top of your list to watch. But it was completely lovely. Right, okay. And I had no problem with it. And I think people are, are curmudgeonly okay. in some respect. So what came after? Um, Red State, 2011. Okay, didn't see that Which again. was his independently produced sort of action slash horror um, uh, thing based on the Westboro Baptist Church, which which was the one where you looked at it and you went, holy shit, like maybe he could actually direct a movie. <laughs> you know? like there, 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 was some, there was competence here in sort of visual storytelling. Um, it was okay, ultimately. Um, 
then three years later, 2014, was Tusk, which is the walrus movie that he keeps referring to. Yes, I haven't seen that either. And that's this bizarre body horror, which is definitely worth looking at because it is just nuts. I, I think I've said to you before, like, the reason I will watch a Mel Gibson film, no matter what it is, is that they are fucking nuts when he makes movies. <laughs> he's just an insane sort of Catholic bigot. Uh-huh. And this has that feeling of just like, it's madness, unbridled, put on screen, because they could. God, you know? I'm, I'm looking at his Wikipedia page, and he's got so many fucking podcasts. <laughs> Uh, and then just after that, there was Yoga Hoses, which I saw and wasn't particularly memorable. That was with his daughter and Johnny Depp's daughter. Right. Um, My God. He's got SMS Modcast Podcast. Smodcast. Network. Smith and Mosier, that's his producer. Fat Man Beyond. Hollywood Babylon. My God. An ev- oh, that's a DVD, an evening with Kevin Smith. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's... it's, it's well, he says he says in the Q and A today, if if podcasting had been around, he said, when they were making Clerks, yeah. he would have done a podcast. Like that's where he is. So I'm looking at his filmography now, and really, uh, to me, the only thing is Clerks, because actually he hasn't made that many movies. So there was Clerks in 1994, Mallrats 1995, Chasing Amy 1997, Dogma 1999, and then they begin to be spaced out. And actually, he often says how he's made a whole career out of one movie. And actually, it's rather true. I mean, that's oh, something yeah. he says in, in this film. Uh, you know, so... Yeah, he said before, like, Clerks is the word he says every single day. Yeah. <laughs> at some point. Yeah. So um, that's not a credit to him. <laughs> They're not but that's based after that. It's still every two or three years. Yeah, but it's every two or three years. Uh, so oh, yeah. you know, Zack and Mary make a porn in two thousand eight. Cop Out two thousand ten. Red State two eleven, but then Tusk two fourteen. That's how long it takes people to. That's how long it takes to convince people to make a Walrus movie. Well, maybe, but you know, I mean, in uh, Clerks is nineteen ninety four, and since then he's done. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. Thirteen films in twenty five years. years. A film every two years, I don't think, is a terrible record. Okay, for a you, film you're either. right. It's, it's not. But none of them are distinguished. <laughs> well, no, that's that's, that's uh, uh, true to say as well. Even Clerks, probably. Which no, I love. I love Clerks. Uh, is is. Zeitgeist and it is Zeitgeist. It, it I mean, people. He said, you know, people. It was people, an original people, voice. People would talk about how it was shot in black and white, and what did that mean? And it's like, we never told anyone that it was just because we couldn't afford color film. Yeah, <laughs> you know. No, but uh, I, but you get that. I mean, <laughs> and actually, the way that the film looked is almost irrelevant. I mean, I think it's the way that people spoke that was kind of a thing, yeah. and what they said. And actually, to be fair to him, that is still um, true today. I mean, I think, you know, kind of uh, people's voices and the way that they speak and, you know, the things that they're they're making fun of and the things that they're engaging with. I mean, it is kind of a very uh, singular voice in American cinema. Yeah, it's not particularly great art, but it's still a very distinctive voice. Yeah. And I, th- I think one of the things that I like about him 
as a person really is that I kind of believe everything he says mm. like I feel like he is sincere almost to a fault sometimes yes. yeah, and I think that's probably what other people like about him too yes. and one of the reasons that his um, podcasts and Q&A's are so popular and the reason that you get a Q&A at the end of this it's a fan thing you know like, no one asked for it um, and actually people that's relate to him yeah you know somebody who has become a star through directing is kind of an unusual thing. I mean, you could become a brand or, you know, like, in quotation marks, like a type of cinema. But actually to become like, almost like a pop star, <laughs> yeah, which yeah. I think he is, is kind of, inter- it's, it's Yeah, he's, he's someone people will go to see. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. So, um, anyway, it was a really fun experience and I'd recommend it. Yeah, so I recommend it definitely with an audience. You know, wherever it's playing, because it's it's not a wide release thing. It's going to be a, it's a roadshow sort of thing going on. So I think it's already been around the place in America. I'm sure it's still um, around. We've just seen it tonight in the UK, and it'll be around here, here and there. Yeah. But I have no idea where or when. But and we've seen it at the Mocking Mockingbird. Bird, yeah, which uh, I highly encourage people in Birmingham to go to. It's kind of. It's got a really special atmosphere, actually, and I really like yeah, it. Yeah, and it was a really good room to keep in the last, actually, because it's quite. A, it's got a very big screen at the front, which you sit quite close to. So, and it's very, and it's actually a good image. But the but the room itself is kind of compact, so the laughs rebound and reverberate, and it keeps them in, and amplifies them. And actually, that was really good. Yeah. And it wouldn't have been the same had it been like a one third full sort of screen at Cineworld. Yes, the laughter would have got lost. Yes. So yeah, but but if you know wherever it's showing some little independent cinema near you. Catch it because it'll have a it'll have a decent audience hopefully and that I think a, a requisite like don't miss it with that it's fantastic it's good fun okay yeah right up well thank you very much for listening we are eavesdropping at the movies and we are on iTunes SoundCloud YouTube and Spotify on social media we're on Facebook and Twitter at eavesdrop movies um, the website is eavesdroppingatthemovies.com with wow 197 podcasts now yes we're edging to our our 200 point mark. 200th anniversary wow. yes so um, thank you very much for listening cheerio mm. snoochie boochies <laughs> 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 <laughs>